0: Have you guys ever been to, to uh, like a, like a, probably like a national park would be a good example. And you go there and you see signs that say, please do not feed the animals. And, and then you see that one person, it's usually a woman, sorry, ladies, but it is, that's true, who either didn't read it or doesn't care. And they got a big old bag of food and they're, you know, over there feeding a water buffalo and then can't figure out why their car got flipped. Have y'all seen that video? of the of the woman that there's a sign you can see the sign that says don't feed the animals in the video where she's trying to feed a water buffalo out the window of the car and the water buffalo flips the car upside down have y'all seen that video if you hadn't find it it's 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 uh, i've i'm told in the video nobody got hurt so it's hilarious um and um. uh, I mean, there, there's all kinds of those videos out there floating around the Internet. And and so, but why are we told not to feed the animals? We, we we know if we think about it because it's actually not safe for them or for us. Those are wild animals. And they may be cute and they may look tame in the moment, but they're not. And so it's, it's one of those things where it causes them to become less fearful of humans, which is actually a problem. It's bad for their diet. They start relying on humans for food. And all of that is tempting animals to do something outside of what's best for them. And despite the fact that most people are feeding the animals because they probably think they're helping. Hey, you know, it's an animal. Let's give it some food. But what they're doing is it's actually the worst thing you can do for a wild animal is feed it. Um, It's actually pretty selfish. In, In the moment. You're the tempter. You become the person enticing the animal to do something that will ultimately bring harm to it and to humanity. And that's how we typically think of temptation when we have that word in our minds. And we're in the final petition of this prayer, two sermons left, and next week is the kingdom of the power of the glory forever, and I'm super excited not to just get to the end, but to get to that sermon. And so, but today we're looking at, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's say the Lord's Prayer together. That slide should be the next slide. You ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses, As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now, when we get to this petition in the prayer, we're still praying to God as Father. Super important to remember that. Carry that over in the prayer. I mean, that's how it starts. Our Father. And every one of those petitions, you could start with our Father. Our Father Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Our Father, give us this daily bread and move on. Our Father, lead us not into temptation. But there is a bit of a kind of a Trinitarian nature to this prayer. I just want to point out real quickly, as we've looked at the petitions, we see six petitions divided into categories, and we see God as the provider of daily bread. We see uh, as, as our Father, we see Christ the Son as the, the forgiver of trespasses, and we see the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us in the power to live holy. And we've seen the, the threefold aspects of this prayer and provision and pardon. And now we're in protection. And we have needs that need to be met, our daily bread. And we have sins that need to be forgiven and forgive us of our trespasses. And now we're praying for protection. But I'll be honest, some people have gotten confused over the language of this prayer because it seems like what we're actually asking for is protection from God. Um, if, if you if you read this wrong, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So why should we be asking the Heavenly Father to not lead us into temptation? What are we actually asking there? Uh, Brent read it this morning, and if you've turned there already, in James 1, 13, uh, sorry, uh, it says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he does not himself tempt anyone. So the word temptation, I mean, doesn't it mean, it usually means something uh, pleasant or brings pleasure that entices us to disobey God and, and to sin. And Jesus warns us not to fall into temptation. In Matthew 26, 41, he says, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And if God doesn't tempt us and Jesus doesn't want us to fall into temptation, why does Jesus teach us to ask the father not to lead us into temptation? And that's what I want us to look at today. That's that's at what are we praying? And I think J.I. Packer summed it up best when he said, basically, we're praying this, life is spiritual, it is a spiritual minefield, and amid such dangers we dare not trust ourselves, Father, keep us safe. So I think the best way to begin this sermon is to really consider how the Bible speaks of the word temptation. And let's define it and talk about it. So um, I, I've already brought up that when we think of temptation, we usually think of it as enticement to sin. That's usually the only definition of if I polled, the, polled you guys, I guarantee you most of y'all, that would be the definition you gave me if I just said, what is temptation? But in James 1, 2, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, right? So we have the word trials there. And then in James 1, 13, we just read part of it. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now, the word that's translated trials in James 1-2 and temptation in, in in the verb form of temptation in James 1-13 is the same word with varied meanings. So temptation can refer broadly to suffering, tribulation, and trials that we are called to endure by God. And these trials are not in and of themselves sinful, but they could lead to sinful things if Uh, they, They cause us to doubt God or compromise to the world or give up our faith. Now, if the typical definition is enticement to sin, but even within that, there's nuances because you have to consider what does that mean that I'm enticed to sin. Enticement to sin is definitely one of the ways the Bible defines temptation, but these temptations can come from both the outside and the inside, and that's important to know. That's an important distinction. That both of those exist because, so think about it like this. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness was external temptation. Jesus didn't have a sin nature, which means that external temptation would be what happened to him when Satan approached him in three different ways, three different forms trying to get him to worship. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, Hebrews teaches us that, yet without sin. He was truly human, and yet he, that doesn't mean that he experienced temptation in exactly the same way that we do, um, in every way that's identical to your experience. He was tempted externally by the devil's appeals and the devil's suggestions, and, and we can be tempted from the outside with lies and promises and things that uh, we see, things that influence us, they entice us, they cause us to break God's commandments. It's the it's the old, you know, peer pressure thing. You know, if you, uh, the, you hang out with a fool, you're going to become a fool. One of those kind of, you know, Proverbs paraphrase. That's the Scott version of the Proverbs. The devil tried to entice Jesus to sin by presenting him with some opportunities in exchange for worship. And that's how external temptation comes to us as well. Satan and his demons appeal to our flesh. They incite us to follow things that are outside the will of God. Their sinful desires. And Satan makes it look beautiful. He makes it enticing. He, 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 he hides the ugliness of it. And he makes that which is evil look good and that which is good look evil. And that's why Peter wrote, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil's real and those are temptations are real. But also, another way the Bible speaks is temptations internal. We have a war within ourselves, a war within the flesh. And so, back to the James, James 1:14 says, "But each person is tempted when he is lured away and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death." So as this passage makes clear, temptation emerges from inside our hearts as well when we are carried away by our own desires. Now, the difference would that be would be our desires versus God's desires. And that's what the Bible refers to as those indwelling sins. And unless we fight against those sinful desires, these internal temptations end up becoming outward sins. And we see those manifest themselves in things like pride leads to arrogance and things like lust that leads to sexual immorality or Or this issue of we're at war with ourselves, and our greatest enemy at times is our indwelling sin. It's uh, sin in our hearts. It spawns all kinds of things that, that push us to do something other than God's will. And so there's a danger of being led astray by these indwelling sins. We'll talk about this more in a moment. But We need to be careful when we're having this internal and external conversation that we don't swing the pendulum too far. Um, for some reason as humans, we have a tendency to do that, to, to go, if you grew up in one of those, in one of those, uh, uh, denominations that had the devil, there's a devil in every bush, right? And everything that happens to you is the devil's fault. If you break out of that, you tend to swing the thing the other way and go, the devil has nothing to do with it. And woe is me. I'm just such a worm, right? Which is true, but the devil's still out there seeking whom he may devour. And, and that's exactly what C.S. Lewis was referring to in Tate* Letters when he talked about these two extremes of humanity is, is um, prone to when it comes to thinking about demonic forces. He says there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And they themselves are equally pleased by both errors. And hail a materialistic... I totally misquoted that and thought I would figure out the word. I wrote musician. I have no idea what that means. And it threw me that I saw. I was like, musician, what was I, what was I huh, Maybe I should copy and paste next time, right? Um, Y'all get the point. All right. So what does it mean to pray, lead us not into temptation? It doesn't mean God don't entice me to sin. That's not what it's saying. God never entices us to sin. In fact, that's literally the point of James one thirteen. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. 1 uh, Corinthians, I mean, sorry, uh, Psalm 11.5 teaches that the Lord tests the righteous, but he does not tempt us. And that is he does not present us a sinful attraction. No evil exists in God. The Lord is not demanding holiness on one hand, while attempting to get us to fail, on the other hand. He, he doesn't take delight in their sin. He's not playing some crude game where he pushes us to the edge of a cliff of sin, just waiting to see if we'll fall off. That's not what this is teaching. So when Jesus prays this prayer, tells us to pray this prayer, he's not asking God to act in a way that's contrary to his nature, but in a way that's actually consistent with his holiness. Jesus is asking God to lead him away from evil, And away from lust of his own flesh. Lead me away from temptation. And that's the final lesson of this prayer. It's actually the last thing Jesus wants to teach us to pray. And it's still tied to us needing the Father's help because we are full of danger within us and we are pursued by danger from without. So do not lead me into temptation. That means do not allow me to be near the allure of sin. Don't, do not do not allow me to get too close to the devil. Do not meet, permit me to be in a situation where the enticement to sin is greater than I can bear. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to pray. Keep me out of the path of sin. Keep me safe from the devil's snares. So think of, think of like this. Think of all the things that are expressing to, we're expressing to God when we make this Simple request where we're making known, we're acknowledging our own hatred of sin, and we're confessing our weakness to overcome it, our inability to overcome it, and we're counting on God to not leave us or forsake us, which He said He would not do. So we're trusting in the power of the Spirit to be the strength and shield. That's why we pray this prayer. We need this prayer. Now, this petition makes a few theological points. Actually, makes several. And one of those, the first one of those, is that it teaches us that we need to acknowledge that temptations are real. We, there's, that, that temptations are a daily threat to our walk with Christ, to our journey towards Christ's likeness. And the question is not if we'll encounter temptations, but what are we going to do with those temptations when we face those things? And until the consumption of the kingdom, which we'll talk a little bit more like next week, our desire to sin is going to flare up at times. It's the war within the flesh that that Paul wrote about. It's going to try to entice us, pull us away in, in the direction that dishonors God. That's one of the things that teaches us. Temptations are real. The other thing that Jesus, this is important. Jesus does not tell us to pray for more willpower to do the right thing that's not what that prayer is the prayer underlines the fact that apart from god we are unable to resist temptation apart from god his sanctifying work through the spirit of god we will not be able to push back against what comes against us from the outside or what rises from the inside even if our even even As we engage in the fight against sin, our prayer is not for the courage to fight, but for our Heavenly Father to be our refuge and our rock and our strength and our rescue in the struggle with sin. Our refuge in times of temptation is not our ability to overcome the temptation. And I hear that language so much in in, in the conversations surrounding temptation. And boy, if I could just do this and do this and do this and do this. And look, there are some things we need to do. But if you're relying on your ability to do to stop yourself from sinning, you're going to be miserable. It's the Apostle Paul saying, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You will never, listen, you will never overcome sin on your own, in your own power. Never. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in times of trouble. And that's the promise that we need to rely on as we're trying to overcome sin. Because ultimately, we've... We, talk about this all day long and if you're a parent you know this is better than anybody the issue is the heart ultimately the issue is the heart that's what we need to deal with and i and i'm i'm gonna rant for a minute i'm gonna blame it on tinnitus um i'm just gonna give you an example no i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna go there yes i'm gonna go there all right I hear conversations all the time from guys about, so guys, I'm talking to y'all. I need to get this blocker on my on my router and make sure I've got this done at my house and this done at my work so that I don't see anything I don't want to see because I'm just too tempted towards that. And if that's where you stop... In your temptation to view things you shouldn't be viewing, you'll figure out how to get around to every one of those tech issues. Because it's a hard issue. I'm not saying don't put blockers on your, on your whatever you got and try to help with that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying do not stop there. Face the fact that it's a hard issue. And if you're struggling with an issue, a sin issue, you can put all of these things in place to help prevent the issue. But I promise you, at some point, you're going to work around this or you're going to run into more walls or, or overcome those things because you've got to deal with the heart. And the heart change comes from the word of God from the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we need to rely on those things. And again, don't swing the pendulum too far of checking the do boxes and forgetting the fact that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to actually overcome this sin in the first place. So get in the Word and get around people who can pour the Word into you And I'm not just talking about accountability people who can say, stop doing that. No, people who can pour God into you so that you become reliant on the Spirit of God to overcome the temptation. Third thing, we must pray for endurance to fight against temptation. If Jesus tells us to pray against temptation the same way we pray for our daily bread, then we need to realize there is kind of a both and happening in sanctification. That's why I say, go ahead and do some things, but rely on the Spirit of God. Only by regularly pleading with the Lord for strength to overcome the temptation is that, that will allow us to do that. Fourth, and this is this is kind of a it's something that's worth thinking through. We must pray that the Lord delivers us from our personal patterns of temptation. I've got some sins I struggle with. Um most of y'all that know me a long time can probably point them out to me, and probably point out some I'm unaware of. But as most of us recognize, each individual Christian has a kind of a different pattern of sin. I think that's what Paul was referring to when he talked about the sin that easily besets us. That's not the same sin for everybody. I know some guys in here. We've talked about some things, some struggles that y'all have with sin that are not my struggles. But you know the patterns in your own life, and as we pray, we should pray. Not just generically against some God, uh, help me not be tempted, but to focus in on the things in our own life that tempt us, both internally and externally, and take those things to God. Pray those prayers to God. Don't just say, God, help me not sin today. Think through what are your sins? What's that sin that easily besets you? What's the thing that entices you? And pray that to God. Carry that specific thing to God. We all have weaknesses, and and and, and, and the devil will exploit those weaknesses, and that's why we need the Lord's gracious hand to guide us in these things. And as we look at temptation as enticement to sin, we're, we keep praying for God, keep us safe, help us navigate life, but get specific in those prayers. This is a, that the Lord's Prayer is a blueprint for how to pray. But get specific when you pray and talk to God about your sin. Now, there's one more part to this petition, even though the two parts are very similar. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, or the pretty much saying the same thing. But we we do need to acknowledge the fact that that this prayer recognizes God as deliverer. There's a lot of places that speak of God as deliver, but one of my favorites is the Apostle Paul talking in 2 Corinthians 1. This is what he says and and you should go back and read this whole story. It's incredible. And then you can go back over into Acts and kind of see what he was talking about in specifics. So Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about his mission trips to Asia, and he's, in verse 8 he says, "For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia." For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, if that's an apt if there's ever been an apt description of somebody feeling like evil's come against us, it's here in Second Corinthians. He then goes on and says But that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. As Paul explains, he was delivered from great affliction. Yet it occurred to Paul later the purpose of this suffering Was so that he would rely on God, who raises those from the dead. He see he felt like he should have died, and if you go back and you look at this particular journey, this particular missionary journey, the fact that Paul survived it is a miracle. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. There's one point he references uh, this particular journey and says he felt like they were being attacked by wild animals. Now they're not literal wild animals. The people. Were, had came against them on the missionary journey so so hard, he felt like he was being attacked by wild animals. And so, as Paul talks about this, he, he, he relies on God, and, and we find an important insight into why our Father allows suffering in our lives and what comfort often looks like, and much of our suffering occurs so that we realize relying on ourselves is pointless, and we are forced to turn to God. So suffering in and for Christ is the, the end of making us cry out to God as deliverer, as father. And so that's ultimately part of the goal. That's what Psalm 73 teaches. So we're praying in this prayer, not just for enticement to sin, but we're also praying that when we suffer these trials, that it turns us to God as deliverer. Deliver us from evil so the, if you' if you've studied the Lord's Prayer you'll know you probably will notice and and that there's been a kind of a change in the prayer which says deliver us from evil some translations say deliver us from the evil one and so the question you should ask is which one is it? The answer is yes it's both. Ultimately, deliver us from evil, cover Satan, right? So I, I don't really think it matters. Have you got it memorized? It's fine. If you're like me and you grew up memorizing King James, which is pretty much what we've been quoting on Sundays is the King James version. Mostly because that's what I said in playing football before every practice and every game for most of my life. So that's what I have memorized. Um, but you could do that in the South and get away with it. Uh, I don't know if you could do that out here. Um, I don't think I would have to spend much time at all convincing you that there is evil in the world. Anybody here feel like, no, man, it's all good. There's, there's no evil in the world. Um, I, it might take a bit more time to make you realize that the evil that you think you see around you is coming for you. And it's, it's coming with a vengeance, do, do you see your own life in terms of being threatened and endangered by evil of all sorts? If you don't, you are probably like a blindfolded person with their ears plugged standing in the middle of the 15 freeway this morning. Traffic coming from both directions. Jesus said, Pray for deliverance from evil because he knew we would need it. So we needed to take this petition seriously learn from the lord's prayer what's really going on in your life and as you're increasingly enabled to discern danger you lean harder on god as deliverer and less on yourself and that's the call from this petition in this prayer because he holds fast to me in love i will deliver him that's the promise from psalm 91 The Book of Common Prayer expounds on this petition. I love what it says. This is kind of a, I clipped it because it was super long. It basically says this, God deliver us from sin, from the crafts and assaults of the devil, from all blindness of heart, from pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy, from envy, hatred, and malice, and from all uncharitableness, from fornication and all other deadly sin, from all the deceits of the world and the flesh of the devil, from sudden, unexpected, and unprepared for death, from hardness of heart, In contempt of thy word and commandment, God, deliver us. That's what we're praying when we pray this prayer. Now, when it comes to dealing with temptation, enticement to sin, there's five ways the Bible talks about addressing this. I I just want to briefly go over them as we we wrap up today. The first one, we need to recognize that temptation is common to everyone. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. We're also told to pray for strength and wisdom. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And then we're told to avoid situations that may lead to temptation. First corinthians six eighteen flee from sexual immorality, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body and then in psalm one nineteen eleven we're told to meditate on scripture and focus on God's truth as a way to overcome temptation. um I've hidden your word in my heart that am I might not sin against you that was that's part of our memory verse for our for our uh discipleship pipeline, and then we're also told james five sixteen to seek accountability accountability, and support from other believers. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is avails much. And that last one, that's a hard one. We were talking, I was talking with somebody just in the last, somebody here just in the last few weeks, I don't exactly remember who it was, about, um, getting comfortable enough with somebody in the body of Christ to be honest enough, to trust them enough, to be honest enough, to share what you need to share in order to do the fifth, this fifth part of overcoming temptation. We don't tend to confess our sins to each other. And, and I, I, I mean, I kind of get it. Um, I mean, as a, as past, as a pastor here, I, I probably know more of y'all sins than y'all know of each other. Um, I do think God's granted a pastor some grace to kind of deal with those things without them, uh, making us want to quit and go sell cars or something and, uh, and just love people where they are. But this is a. This is a, a gracious congregation. And I'm encouraging you along these lines to maybe courageously take a chance on finding and find somebody and say, I'm going to, this may be a little risky for me based on whatever reason you got. I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to share this with somebody. For prayer support, for some accountability, but for healing is what James tells us. And so and honestly, this prayer, this lead us not to temptation is a daily prayer. Actually, it's probably more than a daily prayer. It might might be need to pray that one two or three times a day. Five or six more prayer for god's deliverance from temptation and the evil that's around us as we as we move from relying on ourselves to relying on our father as deliverer and protector